Episode 16, Identity Crisis. Psalm 139 and 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, part A. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I've said it, I've heard it said before that um, I'm not accepted by the world and I'm not accepted by the church. I'm caught somewhere in the middle. And I think that for a lot of us, that is just another one of those flesh and spirit battles that we, we wage, uh, we fight against because um, being accepted is a normal human feel, human feeling where we want to be accepted by our peers, right? So, um, our peers would be considered, uh, if we were in school, our classmates, they would be considered our coworkers. They would be considered our friends. They would be considered our, um, uh, church family and they they could also be considered our uh, natural born biological family where the feeling of wanting to be accepted um, is just natural where there's some uh, similarity there's something we have in common there's some identifying characteristic that make that says that we are alike and that and that because of that we together form some type of community right so for example if I, um, you know, on my job, I work with people. Well, the, the very first thing we have in common would be our work, what we do. That That is something that would help to unify us. And then from there, as you kind of engage and get to know the people you work with, then you may find out, oh, we, you know, we both have kids or we're both married or we both like to sew. I, I don't sew, but that was <laughs> that's just what came to mind. So we look to be accepted. We seek to be seek our acceptance we want to feel accepted even in our in our families we want to feel accepted we want to feel like we belong we want to feel like we are a part of um and when that doesn't happen um we may find ourselves looking at uh ourselves we may find ourselves engaging in like that introspective work where it's like okay what is it about me that is preventing this group of people from accepting me i mean we've we have all of the things in common why am i not accepted why does it feel like i'm an outcast or why does it feel like i um you know i i don't get invited to go out to eat or to you know go have dinner or you know if you're if you engage in you know drinking i don't get invited to go out after work to have you know to happy hour where you know we're we're always seeking to be accepted and so as we begin that introspective process to to start to look because the natural thought is well there's got to be something about me that's making them not not accept me and so then we slowly move into this realm of compromising who we are where okay well maybe it's because I don't 
um, do this. So maybe if I start doing this, they'll accept me. Or, um, you know, I'm not familiar with, you know, the, the, the lingo they speak or the music they listen to or whatever it is. And so then we start to compromise who we are because we want to be accepted. And this happens not only on our jobs, not only in our families or friendships, but it happens in the church where the church, once we step into the church, this is supposed to be a different type of world where um, the church is the body, the baptized body of believers, where we are like-minded. We are of one accord. We are of one spirit. We are of one faith. We are of one baptism. We um you know, supposedly are walking the same. We want the same things. We, we have been changed in the faith. And so now, um, we, this is a new family that we have where I'm accepted. And oftentimes for some of us, when we step into congregations and we step into, you know, mem- uh, church memberships, we find that we were more accepted in the world than we are in the church where even though I, it felt like the world didn't accept me because I was different, it seems as though I can be I can find more acceptance in the world than I can in the church. And of course, you know, the the enemy is crafty, Satan is crafty. He, you know, the the schemes that he uh puts forth and his devices that he used gives us this perception that, hmm, well, the people in the church don't accept me. I can get love or I can get fake love in the real world. And so again, comes this battle of compromise. Okay, well, what is it about this group that they're not accepting me? What is it that I don't do? What is it that I should be doing? What is it about me? Is it, I be, again, the work of introspection? Um, and sometimes it may be out on the outside. Do I not look the part? Do I not talk the part? Do I not walk the part? Why am I not being accepted? The title of this episode is Identity Crisis. And of course, I went and looked up a definition. And the definition of an identity crisis is a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure, typically due to a change in their expected aims or role in a society. For example, this is what the where I got the definition, these are the examples they gave, for example, in the world, in the church, in the home, in the friendship circle, except, etc. That definition has a lot that to be unpacked when we talk about an identity crisis. And so first I want to talk about an identity crisis in the natural. So just looking at that phrase, when we look at the word identity, your identity are those distinguishing characters or um, your personality that makes you who you are, that makes you an individual. It is what expresses your individuality. It's what makes you, you. So your identity, how you identify yourself, it is what makes you, you. Perhaps, so if I were to think about who I am as a woman, who I am as a person, I am a woman, I am a black woman, I am a saved black woman, I am a mother, I am a sister, I am an aunt, I am a niece, I am a daughter, I am a granddaughter. Um, Perhaps these are labels or characteristics that I could use to describe my identity and who I am. Um, I am also uh, very loving and I am very sensitive and I am very nurturing, okay? So being able to just distinguish who I am, what makes Leanna, Leanna, right? 
there were some other words in the, the definition that st- stuck out to me, uncertainty and confusion. So when you have an, when you're having an identity crisis, you are confused about who you are. Simply put, uh, an identity crisis is not knowing who you are. A big part of that is what we identify as versus who we identify with. So when we talk about our inability to be accepted in these groups, we we come down to this crossroad of do we know what we identify as and are we confident enough to stand in that? Or are we more concerned about who we identify with? And when we start to lean towards who we identify with, we may find ourselves in a place of confusion or insecurity. When we haven't come to a place of knowing how to, knowing how to recognize who we are based on what we identify ourselves as, that can be confusion and uncertainty as well. Um, perhaps you identify as um, a, a heterosexual straight female and there may be things in your past, there may be trauma that the enemy wants to use to make you have confusion about that. Am I really, and I'm not speaking of me, I'm just saying in general, am I really straight? Am I really heterosexual? Is that what I really identify with or is that what I say because I know that's what's expected of me? And so the enemy tries to take what we have experienced in our past, our baggage, our our trauma, our hurt, and our pain to bring confusion, to get us confused about who we really are. Who who do we identify as? What what characteristics, distinguishing characteristics do we think are important to who we are, to the core of who we are? I know that there are things about me that are are at the core of who I am, no matter how um, uncomfortable I may feel at times when I'm placed in certain situations. I am a lover. I love people. I always have. Even before I was saved and even before I had an understanding of what Christ expected of me and the love that he wanted me to show, I have always been a lover of people. I have always had a lo- a sense of loyalty to people, whether it was friends or family or, you know, boyfriends or whatever. I've always identified myself as being loyal, as being compassionate. Um, now, with some different type of knowledge, I recognize that it is the spirit that God has given me where he has just given me a heart to love people. When people do me wrong, it is not hard for me to forgive. When people do me wrong, it is not hard for me to overlook it. Amen. And we know that we have to use wisdom in all things. And so there has been some challenges in my life where I've had to, I've had to learn the balance because I can forgive you, but I shouldn't keep giving you the door to hurt me. However, in my time of growing as a woman and coming into who I really am as a, as a woman, I have learned that no matter what, I can't let anyone change that. I can't let anyone pervert that. I can't get anyone to let me compromise to be somebody that I'm not. I'm not the type of person to have beef with people. I'm not a person who is easily offended because because of the love that I just have for people. And now that I'm saved and I have an understanding of what Christ expects of me, um, it's even even more so I understand how detrimental it is when I don't allow myself to be who God has created me to be. And so stepping into um, 
another part of my identity and our identity is our, our spiritual identity and recognizing who we are supposed to be spiritually. The, the scripture that I gave um, lean towards our spiritual identity. And some of us not only have identity crisis in the natural, but we have spiritual identity crisis as well, where we struggle with fully embracing the identity that we have that is rooted in Christ. Our nature changes when we come into faith. Our nature changes when we accept Christ as our Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a condition, because it has the word if. So if you are in Christ, if you has, have accepted him as your Savior, if you are endeavoring to walk after the Spirit and not fulfill the lust and the desires of your flesh, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. It says that the old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. So the identity that you had when you were in the world, once you come into a life of faith, that the old you has to pass away. It has to die so that the new you, the, the um, reborn you, amen, in the spirit can come forth. And the perfect example, uh, my favorite uh you know, uh, Bible figure is Paul, who was once known as Saul. His change was so dramatic that in his new life of faith, he had to even have a name change because his identity as Saul in the natural and in the world was a persecutor of the Christians. He was zealous about persecuting Christians. And that just means that he really went after what he was doing because he, what he, he thought what he was doing was right. He thought... He thought that his um, role as a persecutor and murderer of Christians was what he was supposed to be doing. And so he went he went forth after it with all of his heart, soul, and mind. Once he had that experience on, Damas- on the road to Damascus, old things had to pass away because he was now a new creation. He was now someone new. So he got a new name. He got a new job. He got a new call. Amen. And the same zeal that he had when he was saw, he kept that same zeal, but now with a different mission. So he stepped into his role and fully embraced who he was rooted in Christ. He was this new creation. He actually is the person who penned that verse. He was a new creation. The old things had passed away and he was someone new. And the same thing has to work for us. Um, a lot of the times we struggle with our spiritual identity because we haven't fully embraced who we are supposed to be. Not this version of who we who we think we're supposed to be in the spirit or how much of us we want to change in the spirit. And then also a really hard thing that even I have, you know, I've been um, having to walk out in these past few months is who not who the church thought I should be either. Not the identity that the church wanted to give me. Not the identity that people in the church thought I should carry and thought I should have. And their interpretation of what my identity in Christ was. No, like the word says, study to show thyself approved. So when I study the word for myself and and come into knowledge and understanding of myself, of who Christ expects me to be, he is the one who gives me that identity in him. And he is the one who gives me um, further clarity in terms of who he uh, 
ordained and anointed Leanna to be like he told Jeremiah in my in my mother's womb before he actually before he formed me in my mother's womb he called me he had ordained me he had anointed me and so a part of our spiritual journey and a part of this of walking out this walk of salvation is really coming to understand who we are in Christ we all know that that second Corinthians 5 and 17 applies to all of us that scripture applies to all of us, but because we are individuals, because God deals with us on an individual basis, because in his, his word, he, it says that he has given us all a measure of faith. And because we know that um, there's varying gifts and callings that God has for us, we have to walk this thing out to figure out who we are in him. Just like we have to establish our identity in the natural and who we are as an individual in the natural and stand firm and strong and not compromise who we are in the natural for uh, people or situations. The same thing goes in the spirit where we have to come to a full understanding of who we are in Christ and then fully embrace that. There are, um, you know, expectations that Christ has of us and, and of our identity and who he wants us to be, that he has to kind of work that in us because it goes against the nature of our flesh. And so there has to be a willingness to kill that flesh, to really accept and embrace who Christ has called us to be. I think it's in, um, I think it's second Peter five and nine. Ooh, I hope I'm not wrong. I'm going to go ahead and whip out the Bible, but it's the scripture that says that we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy, uh, generation that God has uh, called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I don't like to not read the scripture the right way. So it's not second Peter. It's first Peter five and nine. Uh, nope. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's the, the scripture that says that we are a, um, a royal generation and that he has called us, um, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He has called us to be special. He has called us to be special. He has called us to be different. Two, two, verse 2 and 9. So 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's, that is a part of our identity in Christ. That is who he has called us to be. And so really getting an understanding of that and embracing that. So once you understand something, it's one thing to understand it and say, nah, I understand. So let's say, for example, you're given a health diagnosis and the doctor sits there and he, he breaks it down and he explains to you what this means and you know, what is, what scientifically is happening in your body and treatment and this, that, and the third. Okay. He's broke it down. You understand it, but that doesn't mean that you accept it. That doesn't mean that you embrace it. The same thing with coming to understand who Christ wants us to be us to be. We could have understanding. We, we, we can have an understanding and know full well what God is asking and requiring of us and, and not be willing to embrace and accept it. So a part of our spiritual identity crisis could be a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding as well as a lack of a willingness to really embrace, um, you know, who, who Christ has called us to be. And then there are barriers to, um, 
embracing our identity in Christ. There are things that come to block, to try to hinder, to try to stop or prevent us from fully embracing who Christ has called us to be. And one of them is surrender. Going back to full, fully embracing it is is surrender. Is the willingness to get rid of our old self, our old habits, our old ways of thinking, our old behaviors, our old desires, which all were wrong <laughs> because they were born out of the flesh and the lust and the desires of our flesh, which are in direct opposition to the spirit and what the spirit is requiring of us. So surrendering our old self to receive the new self is a barrier to us being able to fully embrace our identity in Christ. And so what that looks like is the back and forth in the church and the not. And and when I say the church, I mean the body of baptized believers, the inability to have a made up mind. And that's not to say that sometimes we don't have things that we need deliverance from, but some things are a matter of will. and And it's a matter of here's the grace here's the mercy here's god gives us everything we need to be able to do it and there is there's just an unwillingness um when i was you know saved well before i got called into ministry um i got saved and filled with the holy spirit and i was a cigarette smoker and i know there are people that will tell you that if you smoke cigarettes that you are not saved that if you smoke cigarettes you cannot be filled with the holy spirit and i am here to say that that is not the truth because I know that I had accepted Christ as my savior and I was still smoking. And then eventually, um, down the line, I got filled, filled with the Holy spirit, good and filled with the spirit speaking in tongues and everything. But in my mind, in my flesh, I had not willingly came to a point of giving that up. And then until God was ready, when God was ready, that it was time for that. It had to go. That habit had to go. He made it very clear crystal clear. I went to a revival at my church and we were hosting a revival and um, there was a guest preacher and nobody in the church, maybe except for my best friend, knew that I smoked cigarettes. I was not the type of person that would reek of smoke or smell like an ashtray or anything like that. And I went up for prayer and he prayed and I don't, I don't remember the prayer, but after he prayed, he leaned in and he said, God told me to tell you to not smoke another cigarette because they're making you sick. Because of the fear that I had of God. It wasn't even about like, oh my God, do I, am I, do I have cancer? It was, it wasn't even that part of it. It was the fact that I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was God that had gave him that. And the fear and reverence that I had of God caused me to stop smoking that night. And I have not smoked since. And it's been almost 10 years. But it was a, it was my willingness. It was my willingness to surrender. It was my willingness to get rid of that old part of me to continue to embrace the new me that God was looking to create, that he was um, calling forth out of me that he needed me to be. That had to go. There were other habits that I had that went like almost immediately when I got saved. And this is why I'm saying sometimes we have things that we need to be delivered from. And it is not wise for us to tell people that if they are still struggling in certain areas that they're not saved because that's not true. And yes, God is able to take it away like that. He can give us the power that we can stop it like that because that's how it was with drinking and smoking weed. Once I had made up my mind that I was going to be saved and I was going to stay saved. I was able to give those two things up. No problem. 
no problem. I didn't need a word from the Lord. I didn't need um, anyone to tell me. I, I just knew I'm saved and I got to let those go. Cigarettes weren't, it wasn't that quite that easy where it took a word from the Lord. It took the Lord to step into my situation. It took for him to do what he knew needed to be done to, to deliver me from that. And he did. I was able to stop with no problem. So, but I had to have a willingness to be obedient. Now, the next day after the revival, I, I can recall, I was, <laughs> I was angry. I was really angry. Like, you know, I wasn't ready to quit smoking, but that was the flesh. In my spirit, I was ready to be obedient to God. So although the flesh wanted me to be upset and although the flesh wanted me to, um, um, you know, continue on in that habit, my spirit wanted to do, my spirit and my heart wanted me to do what God was telling me to do, which was quit. And so even though that next, even though I would say probably a few days after I struggled with like this kind of like, uh, like the urge, but the reverence and the fear I have for God and the desire to be obedient outweighed all of that. And so I never picked up another cigarette. Um, other things that kind of become barriers to our ability to really embrace our identity in Christ is like I had said, um, the interpretations of what that looks like or the expectations of others. And I'm just speaking from personal experience. It can be hard to let those go. I've seen posts as I've been walking out my own um, being delivered from people and being delivered from people's opinions. Some people are not swayed easily by that. Some people are like on the opposite end of the spectrum where they care less what people think. And that's not healthy either because I think there's balance in everything. I was a person on the opposite end of the spectrum where I was very consumed about what people thought, what people thought of me, wanting people to think a certain way of me, wanting people to have a certain perspective of me. And if people had, if I was aware that people had a certain opinion of me, it bothered me. It, it, it wasn't like, oh, well, they could they think, oh, they, I, I'm not one of those people. And so um, moving into this, this fear of, you know, kind of doing ministry without necessarily being underneath a, a pastor or, you know, a church. Um, it was not easy to, to fully walk into that without having like these apprehensions of what people were going to think. And, you know, people were going to be mad at me because they were looking at it like I was doing this on my own and I shouldn't be. And, you know, who gave you the authority and who gave you the license? And I struggle with that. And, and at times I still struggle with that. And I, and I think that that, that is a big part of, um, me really having to, because I know the voice of God, recognizing it and obeying it as he's trying to really show me, show me who I am in him, not who people are saying that I'm supposed to be or who people were allowing me to be. Okay. We're going to allow you to be this, but once you start kind of moving in, nah, you're doing too much. You, we going you're busy body. We're going to pull you back because you're doing too much. When I, all I know is what God was placing in my heart to do. And so, and even though there is a time and there is a season, um, still kind of like these two things overlapped where one, where it was a struggle for me when it was, when God was saying, okay, now is the time to go forth in all of these things that I have, you know, placed in your heart. I was still bound by this thinking of, no, you, you're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. We letting you do this, but no, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. We're letting you go this far, but no, that's going too far. Even though I 
you know, had been released from that, I was still bound. I was still bound to, you know, people's perspectives and their opinions and what are they going to say and what are they going to think. And, um, you know, and, and then at the same time, wanting like the approval, going back to like acceptance, wanting the approval, wanting the support, wanting the, um, you know, the likes and the comments and the follows, um, you know, that is bondage in itself. That is bondage in itself that can um, come and prevent us from being able to fully step into our, our spiritual identity. And then stepping, you have to know who you are in Christ so that you can go forth in what he's called you to do. You can't go forth in, in what God has for you to do if you don't know who you are in him. Knowing who's you are, who, who you are and whose you are is what gives you, that really helps to enable you and empower you to go forth in who he's called you to be. You got to know your identity first. So going back to when I talked about that in the natural, what we identify as versus who we identify with in the spiritual, those two aren't, don't go against each other. They work in tandem. I know who I am in Christ. I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that I've been made in his image and in his likeness. I know that I am a, a royal priesthood. I know that I am a holy generation. I know all of these things that he's called me. To, I am a new creation. I am all of these things he's called me to be. And I know that I am his. I am his daughter. I am his vessel. I am his servant. I am his chosen one. I am the one he ordained. I am the one that he's called. I am the one that he's appointed. So in the natural um, what we identify as versus who we identify with, they often work against each other. But in the spiritual, they come together, they come to work together to fully empower us to be able to walk in purpose and walk in destiny. And you have to tackle some things in the natural in order to also be able to embrace who you are in the spirit. So again, when we talk about the barriers, um, some barriers can be the trauma and the pain and all of the stuff that we got tucked away in those broken places and spaces that would cause us to say, no, that no, I can't be that. No, God can't love me. No, God, God can't have all of this mercy for me. No, there's no way that God thinks this or that or the third, because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy because that's how these people treated me. I'm not worthy because that's what these people said. So if they, that's what they said and, you know, I've had multiple people say it, then there's no way God could say it. So sometimes we have things that need to be healed in the natural before we can fully walk in and embrace the identity that Christ uh, has for us where, we, where those things have to be healed. Those things play a part. So I've been saying from the beginning of the, um, the start of this podcast the, um, that, there are things in our past and our trauma and our broken places and broken spaces that hinder us from being able to fully walk in purpose. That yes, we get saved and we we accept Christ and as he starts to elevate us and take us deeper in the knowledge of him, at some point, those things that we are carrying either are going to weigh us down to prevent us from being uh, elevated or they are going to stop us from being able to go deeper and further in the knowledge of him and in, 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 in his word and in his truths, being able to accept and believe his truth. We have to deal with those things first. So they also can be um, cause for a spiritual identity crisis where we haven't embraced who we are in Christ. We are still battling back and forth between 
our old nature, our old person and who we used to be versus who God is longing and calling and pulling for us to be. Um, other barriers also include not being conformed to the world. That's, that's a big one because we live in the natural and the natural is, you know, manifested before our eyes daily where we can see all of these different things that are calling us to think a certain way and, and dress a certain way and talk a certain way and walk a certain way and watch this and listen to this and do this and, and all of the things that the world is telling us that are important. And because of that wanting to be accepted and because we want to fit in, we some of us try to find a way to kind of straddle the fence, to, to, to thread the needle. How can I live in the gray area how can I identify with Christ and say that I'm saved, go to church every Sunday and Bible study every Wednesday, but yet I also want to be able to do what the world is doing. I want to be able to keep up with the latest and the greatest and the trends and the, you know, what's in and what's hip and what's cool. And in that scripture in Peter, where he says that, but, but you are a chosen generation. You are, you are royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people where he has separated you and not necessarily a physical separation, but a separation of the heart and the separation of the will and a separation of the mind and the separation of the spirit where we don't, we don't um, engage and conform to the same thing that the people, the people who are not thinking about God, who are not thinking about his way, who are not thinking about walking after him and what they think is important. And with, you know, technology being what it is and social media being able to just put stuff right there for you in your face, it's a constant battle as you're scrolling. It's a constant battle of being able to say, nope, that don't, that's conforming to what I'm not supposed to be because I'm a new creation. Nope. Uh, nope. I got to keep it moving. Nope. I got to keep it moving. I, I'm not going it, to, it's a constant battle and it works to fight against who we are supposed to be in Christ. And so when we find ourselves having these identity crises, we, we often begin to compromise and we create these alter egos. You've heard it. You one way on Sunday, but you somebody different the other six days of the week because you're trying to fit in, because you're trying to compromise, because you're trying to conform. You want to be able to do both. And so at some point, then there becomes confusion, right? When we're not clear in who we are, an identity crisis says that it's this time of uncertainty and confusion. And so as we're trying to uh, straddle the fence and as we're trying to bounce back and forth in between the two worlds we find ourselves in a place of place of confusion we we want to wear this mask on sunday we want to wear this mask in front of this group of people but then we want to be this way with with this group of people we and, and then sometimes we often find ourselves because we want we want to fit in we 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 totally change who we are we, we don't, we're not comfortable and confident in who we are. So going back to our identity and knowing who we are, we're not comfortable enough in that. We let somebody sway us and convince us that that's not who we are that, that or that's not who we should be. We don't allow ourselves to be us in the raw so that God can mold us into who we're supposed to be and God can shape us into who we're supposed to be. Now we're talking like them, we're walking like them, we're treating and and let's 
let's not just think about conforming to the world because sometimes conforming to the world is conforming let's broaden our definition of what that means because sometimes we conform to the bad parts of the body of Christ the bad parts of the church we conform to religiosity we conform to a click like mentality we conform to how the um the upper echelon of the church says we should be and how we should act and how we should think and how we should but that doesn't mean that's what God has called for us and that's how we can get in a place of forgetting that it was but for the grace because we are conforming to uh, even inside of the church we conform to man's standard not to God's standard not according to scripture but man's interpretation of what we should be as the people of God, what we should be as the saints, what we should be as that holy uh, nation, that chosen generation. So we have to be careful to make sure that our conformity is not to even this this uh, religious spirit inside of the church. We have to be careful. And now we become somebody that we don't even recognize. But yet, who we become is not is still not who God has called us to be, and we we get stuck in pretending, we get stuck in masquerading as someone who is changed and and is a new creation when really we're not. Really, really, we are a facade. We are. Um, Oh man, I can't think of the scripture that talks about um, a form of godliness. We are a form of godliness. Thank you, Jesus. We're not really truly a new creation. We have a form of godliness because our conformity was not necessarily to the world and sin, but our conformity was to a religious spirit. So now this religious spirit has come to make us over. This religious spirit has come to quote unquote make us new, but it, it was just a form of godliness because it was really... Satan transforming himself as the angel of light. We didn't allow who we really were, like in the raw, to come in to Christ and allow him to take us as we were and mold us and shape us and chisel us and let me purge that out and let me burn that off and let me add that in. We didn't let his spirit do it. We let the religious spirit do it. And so now when people interact with us, Sometimes they feel like they're dealing with somebody in the world. Actually, they feel like they feel even worse because it's like, wait a minute. You're not pure and you're not sincere and genuine. Amen. You kind of got like this taint of the world. You, you're not as you, you're not as uh, rough around the edges as them. But there's something about your inside that is very similar to them because you have a form of godliness. And so that is something that we have to be careful as well because Within that act, within that masquerading is not a genuine relationship with God because we are supposed to that when, when the word says to come to him as you are, it doesn't mean what we like to believe it means when we think it means we could just, you know, be foul. We should always have respect for the temple. But when he wants us to come as we are, he wants us to come as we are so that he can transform us. He can um, make us that new creation, not allowing the the religious spirit or the or man 
in the church to make us over. We don't come to make each other over. We don't have the power to make each other new because we don't have the power to make ourselves new. It is the spirit of the living God that makes us new. So our surrendering is to him. We surrender to him. We surrender to his will. We surrender to his spirit. We don't surrender to the to a religious spirit and, a, and an idea of what we should be. He knows who he's called Leanna to be. He knows who he's called Susan to be. He knows who he's called Tommy to be. The religious spirit doesn't because the religious, the religious spirit is what is, what is it, it really comes from Satan. And he doesn't know what's at the heart of you and, and what is buried down deep in you. Only God knows, only his spirit knows, and only his spirit has that power. And so we can be living in, inside of an identity crisis, a spiritual identity crisis, and not even know it because we put the mask on and we don't even recognize. So I just wanted to encourage us to make sure this is why a relationship, a genuine relationship with God is important. Does this mean that I am speaking against following after, you know, models of the faith? Because no, I'm not. Because that's what Paul told Timothy. Paul, he admonished Timothy as he was trying to keep him encouraged as Timothy was kind of like this young preacher who was, you know, leading new converts and, um, you know, babes. And as they're trying to have an understanding, he, he admonished him to um, remember the things that he had watched Paul do and remember the things that Paul had taught him. So that that's not what I mean when I say that. What I mean is we have to be careful to ensure that who we are imitating and who we are conforming to does not have a, a religious spirit. That now, and, and we will know because one, there will be no fruit. And two, we are known by the love that we show. A religious spirit um, finds it hard to embrace this idea of, of the love of the true brotherly love of Christ because the religious spirit is more concerned with following after a set of rules and regulations and traditions that um, kind of edge out the grace and the mercy and the love that Christ wants us to show. And that, that over time, as a person is being conformed and that as they're being changed and as they're being renewed and made into this new creation, it is all done with love. It is all done, like the word says, with loving kindness have I drawn them. So Jesus draws us with that loving kindness and he uses that same compassion and love and kindness and forgiveness and mercy to then make us new. Let's make, let us work at knowing who we are. And knowing whose we are. Being able to know our identity. What makes us us. And then dealing with those things in our past. That trauma, that pain, that hurt. Those broken places and those broken spaces that come to try to fog things. And blur the lines so that we struggle with really being able to embrace who God has called us to be. Embrace that identity that is supposed to be rooted in in uh christ um a lack of confidence is something that the enemy uses i mean blows to our self-esteem and making us feel like we're not worthy and make make wanting to make us feel unsure i mean these are things that i know that i struggle with but christ has called for us to stand in bold confidence 
that we can be assured of our salvation. We could be assured of our standing with him. We could be assured of who we are in him. Our, we could be assured of our identity because when we have that confidence of who we are in him, of who we are and whose we are, we are able to boldly step out in ministry. We are able to boldly step out into a world where people are trying to push all different agendas at us and all different uh, identity at identities at us we can stand rooted and grounded in who we are in christ so that we are able to go forth let our light shine and spread the gospel because that's what we're called to do don't allow the enemy to come in and confuse you about who you are in christ we are fearfully and wonderfully made we have been made in the image in god's image and in his likeness he has created us to be who we are as paul said i am what i am god has made us to be who we are allow him to show you who you are allow him to establish your new identity let your identity be rooted and grounded in him he has asked us to put on the mind of christ we are to put on the mind of christ we are to have um, a heart of love and of compassion and of forgiveness. We are to be found being showing mercy and kindness. We are to be, um, uh, like Jesus said, um, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am lowly and meek at heart. This is who he wants us to be. He wants us to take his yoke and learn from him. He wants us to walk after him. That is our identity. We are to be imitators and emulators of christ we are to be christ-minded christ-centered christ-focused and christ-like father god in the name of jesus lord we just thank you and we praise you we thank you father god that your word gives us the clear picture of who we should be in you who you've called us to be who you desire that we be in you that we can stand firm rooted and grounded in your son Jesus, in his love, in his compassion, in his forgiveness, in his understanding, Lord God, that we can we can stand in it and then take it and show it to others. Lord God, help us to turn our eyes from the temptation of the world to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Lord God. Let us embrace the identity that you've given us through our faith in Jesus Christ, let the old man be passed away so that we can become that new creation that you desire, so that we may be able to boldly and confidently walk in the purpose that you ordained and anointed for our lives well before we were ever conceived in our mother's womb. We thank you, Lord God, that you desire to use us as your vessels. Let us be found usable, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice is able to establish their identity in you, that there be no confusion, that there be no compromising, and let us rebuke the spirit of religiosity to be truly who it is you have called us to be. These things and all things in the name of Jesus Christ we ask, amen and amen. Until next time, be blessed.